First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia, or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks, and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Welcome to the Grow Your Business and Grow Your Wealth podcast with Gary Helt. Gary is an expert in helping business owners put together a plan that will provide a better future for their businesses, themselves, and their families. On the podcast, Gary interviews other professionals who share his vision, and together they share secrets and strategies any business owner can use to build a better financial foundation for your business and your life. Welcome back to the podcast, and today my guest is Eric Brose with the law office of Eric J. Brose. Eric, welcome. Thank you, Gary. Appreciate it. Thank you, Thank you for having me. So, obviously, you're attorney. Um, tell us kind of what, what made you decide to get into law? Yeah, you know, uh, unlike a lot of my colleagues or former classmates, um, I don't come from a bloodline of attorneys or anyone in the family that <laughs> did anything like that. Um, unfortunately, I, my desire to become an attorney came or stemmed from a family tragedy. Our, our family was a victim of workplace violence, and we lost an immediate family member. Um, as I grew older and, and understood what happened a little bit more, uh, I understood the legal roadblocks that my family encountered. So that kind of inspired and energized me to, to dive deeper and figure out what ways could, could this have been avoided? Were there other ways that these lawyers that declined helping our family could have helped. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't gone into that field. Um, my, my, my legal education and, and my, my interests have, have spawned me into the business world, but that's, that's originally what, what energized me to become an, become an attorney. So what were you doing before you, uh, before you opened up uh, your own law practice? Yeah, so I worked at uh, a couple of LA-based law firms, um, insurance defense firms, um, so I put in the hours, uh, like most early on associates do, discovery, discovery motions, um, the dreaded uh, insurance reports to the insurance companies. Um, so I did all of that, and and one firm allowed me to, um, I, I moved from insurance defense and did a little bit of family law for a bit, and they also allowed me to do business formation, which is where my interest was, um, and business representation. Um, shortly after that, I was I was kind of tasked with bringing the clients into that firm and the face of that firm, I, uh, I broke off on my own. Um, I was putting in all the work that a solo practitioner would. Um, so I thought, why not reap the benefits of that? So uh, it, was, it was a little bit insurance defense and family law and then, and then down the line into my own business stuff, um, which I, I enjoy the practice of law a lot more doing the things I'm interested in. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it, you know, what's the saying? If you, uh, if you enjoy what you do for work, you don't have a job. Exactly. You don't work a day in your life. Right. Exactly. So, you know, you know, I, I, obviously, you know, you feel some success from being able to, to go out on your own and stuff like that. And you help many uh, businesses get formed. So can you, you know, tell us some of the mistakes that these people that are setting up businesses are making? Yeah. And the biggest mistake is not putting things in writing. Uh, <laughs> You know, say for example, uh, you're going to start a business with your best friend. You've known your best friend for 10, 15 years. 
you don't think money would, would ever create an issue in that friendship. But then the business starts to become successful. And one, one wants to do one thing, expand the business in one direction, and you want to go the other way. Um, that causes risks in that friendship and business partnership. So I've seen numerous friendships and businesses fail because of this uh, indecisiveness on, on the business owner's parts, where that could have been avoided if they, they have an LLC, if they had their operating agreement and their buy-sell agreement drafted and in place before starting this company. You know, a lot of our clients um, go ahead and form their company with the state and, 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 and get their EIN number from the federal government without any documentation showing how this business is going to be run or how the processes are going to be governed. So that's the biggest mistake. Um, and that can be parlayed into, you know, the sale of goods and services. If you're not getting these contracts in place, which a lot of goods and services contracts are statutorily governed. So you have to have them in place or your recovery is very limited if there's a breach of those. So the number one mistake I see amongst clients coming in with already formed businesses is not having anything in place, not having the writing of how this is going to be in place. Now in California, operating agreements don't have to be written. They would default to the, the corporation's code. Don't do that. That is a huge mistake. Right. Have it in writing. So, so explain within the you know, operating agreement, what is it that's actually in the operating agreement that makes it so important? Yeah. So, so there's, there's various parts. Um, you know, it's going to, it's going to show your equity in the company. It's going to show your initial capital contribution, how much money or how much sweat equity you put into the company to build it where it is. It's also going to give you how this company is going to be run. If a decision has to be made, how, how does, how, how is that going to happen? If you have two 50, 50 partners, it's a good idea to have a tiebreaker, a neutral third party that doesn't have equity in the company that can come in and help make that decision. Now, if you have two partners with differing percentages, 151% and 149, and the 51% is the manager or has control over it, that helps. And that is all written into those agreements. So each party knows how this company and how decisions will be made uh, from the outset. Okay. Also in those agreements are you know, limitations or how transfer of equity or stock will take place. So you know, we just handled a case where uh, one of the LLC members wanted to leave. Well, how does, how does that happen? If it's not in writing, we have to default to the code, which creates some issues. They luckily had an operating agreement. Uh, we didn't write it, but, but they did have an operating agreement. So it's very simple to work with opposing counsel on how this is going to happen. Um, so those are some of the things that are in operating agreements. Uh, there's a lot that goes into them, but I just wanted to give you a few of the, the big headlines on that. Right, right. I mean, I, I, I always think that that's, I mean, it's funny because just like you're saying, you know, people come in to you, clients come in and, and they don't have all of this. Um, and you're right. It's, it's, I always try to tell people, it's like, it's much better to plan. And yes, you, you think that you're saving a couple bucks by not doing this. And it's really on the back end, it's costing you a lot. And I'm sure that, that you probably have story after story that, that this has happened and, and what happens and the cost that there is involved on the back end, if you don't do this ahead of time. Absolutely. I mean, we had a client come to us just before the pandemic hit, uh, late 2019, wanted to form an LLC with two other partners. Um, it was for real estate and decided against it because it was a cost at the outset that they didn't want to incur. They wanted to put that money into um, flipping the house, renovations. Okay, well, the pandemic hit a few months later and uh, their partnership or the, the, the business started to break down because of 
disagreements within it. Now it turns into litigation at that point. Now the cost is even higher. And we usually tell people that pass on formation uh, documentation that, look, if you don't do this now, this is going to cost you more in the long run, whether it's with us or another law firm. So that's one example. I mean, no one expected the pandemic to hit. They right. didn't expect the pandemic to hit. Um, and they didn't end up coming back to us for the, uh, for the uh, dissolution of that company, but uh, they went to a close colleague of mine and um, they, are, they are paying a lot more than uh, they would have if they just had everything documented at the beginning. So, you know, penny wise, pound foolish, I guess right. is the saying on that. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that even, you know, more examples of that is, you know, you and I are in, in business together and I pass away. And if we don't have that operating agreement, what, what happens then? Exactly. You know, another one is you get married. You're not married at the formation of that company. You get married. Should there be documentation signed by your spouse? Because if you do pass, then that, you know, depending on what state you're in or, or the intestate laws or what you have in place, your spouse would get those. Is that something you want? You right. guys, that all needs to be comprehended at the beginning. A lot of times with our clients uh, that are coming in for this type of work, we, well, with all of our clients, we send a uh, incorporation questionnaire about eight to 10 pages, give us everything you want. And here's all the options for these buy sells, disassociation, retirement, disability, death, marriage. We want to know everything. And a lot of times that, you know, that spawns into a, a longer conversation with our clients to explain the benefits or the disadvantages of having these provisions in your agreement. So I'm glad you brought that up. That's a perfect example. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes people, uh, in such a rush when they first are starting out, like you said, oh, best friends for 10 years, we're never going to fight about anything. It happens. Um, or, or even, you know, in the case of, um, and I've seen it where, in the case that, that one of the partners passes away and now their wife is the, their, you know, has inherited their piece of it or whatever. And now you're in business with their, their spouse. And exactly. it's just like, okay, well, that spouse doesn't have the intellectual uh, know-how that that you know that their other spouse had to be able to do this. So now you know you're paying the spouse, but now you got to go out and hire somebody to do the job that that you know. So it's like the you know besides the dissolution, and everything else. That's other ways that this can get pretty darn expensive. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, you touched on a little bit about the contracts for goods and services and things like that. Um, so let's just say somebody, you know, incorporates properly, gets all the proper paperwork and, and everything else. They start doing business. How many times have they, you know, have you had to deal with dealing with somebody that didn't have a contract for services? Uh, all the time. I actually just had a call yesterday with a potential client. Uh, they're in the tech space. And they did some services for a company to, to code their website and uh, to code the app. No written contract. You know, my next question is, were these discussions in email? Because we can, we can make a contract out right. of email. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that, but we can. Um, no, over text message. Well, that's an issue here in California. You can't form contracts over text messages. Um, so, you know... It's a, it's a common issue. Oh, no, they'll always pay us. They're a good friend or their referral. Well, that, that doesn't always happen. Um, also, for one, one big example is uh, contractors. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but 
that has to be in writing under in California law. Their contractor agreements have to be in writing. And if they're not, like I said, you're limited to your potential recovery. So it really comes down to, did you retain the right counsel to negotiate to get you the money that you deserve before filing a lawsuit? Uh, it's a common issue. Once again, people are trying to save money. But if you want to have a successful business, you need to put the work in at the beginning and have all of this established. I mean, if, if you have the right counsel, if you have the right team behind you, CPAs, we will work with these companies. And I, I don't want to speak for you, but I know we work hand in hand with CPAs sometimes to make sure that these companies are operating properly. Um, the CPAs work with us. We work with them. Any kind of issue with money, tax, we push off to the CPAs. That's that's not our table. Right. Um, but these business owners need to realize that, like I said, put the time in at the beginning, and then you can focus on operating the company, and your professionals behind you will focus on keeping the company in the right state. So we'll focus on legal, CPAs, on financial, and and so forth. Right. Yeah, I'm gonna bring up something you're probably gonna cringe when I say it. But what about legal? What about like a legal Zoom or or one of those online? Um, you know, uh, you know, legal websites. Yeah, you know, I, I think LegalZoom and those other online platforms have their place. I think they can educate business owners and, and give them an idea of what to expect. Um, but I want people to understand is that these documents that they're getting from these companies are boilerplate. Right. They ask you very they ask you specific questions state of incorporation things like that they have a, they have good bones to them but work with private attorneys and we will cater those agreements to everything you want so we've had numerous people come in with those operating agreements and now they're at the point of dissolution sometimes that creates issues because they don't even know what they signed they don't know what they agreed to they just got it they're like oh it's a legal document so i think legal zoom and those other play, those other uh Sites have their place, um, but, but it's it's best. And I might I am biased because I am a private practice attorney. But consult with a private practice attorney and see if that is going to work with your company. I, and I think that's the best pointers I can go out there. They are very cost efficient, but like I said, spend the money at the beginning and make sure this company is set up properly. I, I think one of the other things that, that that's important to say because because you know I kind of feel the same way about those online tax services. Um, is is as these people are using them they don't know what they don't know mm-hmm. and you know you or i if we're interviewing somebody to help them me doing taxes you doing doing the legal work we're asking them the questions that they're not thinking about and i know i've had people call me wanting free advice over the phone as they're trying to do their turbo tax stuff and it's just like you know they're like they don't even understand the question that's being asked and mm-hmm. It's like, and that's a problem because they're just, they're kind of guessing, you know, at that point. And obviously they could guess wrong and, and you know, hurt them in the long run. Absolutely. I, I mean, you know, we had one client that passed on our services and went to LegalZoom. I told him before he left, if you have questions on the LegalZoom stuff, which I know you will, come back to us. Right. You know, and, and we were a resource for him. He ended up abandoning the operating agreement that LegalZoom gave him because he ended up having four partners, which he wasn't contemplating at the beginning. And those were questions we were asking him while he was while he was getting his operating agreement together with LegalZoom. So, you know, has its place, but a second opinion is always a good idea. Right, right. 
you know, so what are some other reasons why um, somebody should use a professional like you when they're, when they're, you know, getting their business going? You know, like you said, they don't know what they don't know. Um, we're not a tax firm. We don't give tax advice. We give general tax advice and this is how you'll be taxed, but right. seek out your CPA. So we can kind of point them in, in what would be the right move and right formation entity for their company. Um, a lot of people think that a corporation is the way to go or an LLC, LLC wins all, but people don't realize the intricacies of these. So coming to a private practice attorney um, and asking, well, or just listening really is, is the key. Listen to your professionals, listen to what we're trying to tell you. Um, you may have a preconceived notion of where you wanna go with this company, but after listening to us based on years of experience um, and yourself as well, you know, we can point them in the right direction so that they have the right entity formation, they have the right tax structure as you would advise them. Um, so these are things, just listen to the professionals, ask questions, but then also listen because lawyers like hearing themselves talk. Uh, <laughs> so we'll, we'll spill more information to potential clients and clients regarding these entities based on our experience. And if they just listen to that, they'll be set on the right path. Yeah, I think it's important also that, that you know, you're talking about the different legal structures and things like that. There's certain things that, that are better, I know from a tax standpoint, are better in, you know, a C corporation than an LLC, than an S corp, and, and people don't get that. Um, and then lots of times from, from the tax side, you know, that sole member LLC, you know, they're, you know, yes, you have your, your legal protection, but from a tax standpoint, doesn't do a whole lot for you. Um, and I think that's why it's important to make sure that that you are working with a CPA and an attorney when you go to, to do this, even though you're, you're going to be able to, you know, do all your own bookkeeping and everything else, you need to, to talk with someone that's going to be able to help you. And then I think so many people are afraid to let you and I talk because it's like, oh my God, they're going to be billing me so much. And it's like, you know, we really don't. Um, and lots of times we're going to talk to each other just saying, hey, did you know this type thing to make sure that they're taken care of and we're not billing them for that stuff. So it's, right. you know, I, I think the the olden days of, you know, everybody having meters on their phones and billing that way are long gone. I think that that everybody now is looking a little bit more holistic about things um, and making sure that that, you know, the clients are taken care of. Absolutely. And that's actually on, on my website I, a few months ago, I just tossed up pricing for incorporation and they're, they're flat fee pricing. So yeah. based on how many members you have, what, what, what entity you're, you're looking for, what entity we decide on as a team uh, with your CPA, it's laid out for them. Now, of course, you know, there's still billable, billable work in the legal industry, but I think with incorporation, especially with the, the advancement of LegalZoom and Biz Council and up, I think it's Biz Council or Up Council, one of the two, um, those are flat fees. Yeah. So, you know, you're paying a flat fee for those. So I think firms are, look, are, are noticing that and now doing the flat fees for this typical transactional work. So yeah. I agree with you. I, I think that's the best way to go. And, 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 you know, I jump on the phone with our company's CPAs all the time. I'm, I'm not billing for that. We want to make sure the company's yep. healthy. So that's that's what we're help, that's what we're looking at because an unhealthy company in the long run is a, is no client for us for us right. the CPAs and everyone else so we want to make sure the companies are healthy. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think even um, in your position where it's like okay, yep, I I 
help people get incorporated and, and kind of get them up and going. And then sometimes you may not deal with them again until, you know, until the very end um, mm -hmm. when they sell the business or dissolve it or whatever. But I think it's important for people to know you still need to talk to your attorney to let them know what's going on, because as you're making changes throughout the years, that can affect what happens on, on, on the very end. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, we push for our clients um, that are forming businesses. We have, you know, we have your flat fee for incorporation. We have your traditional hourly. And then we have what we, what we call a covered services agreement. So it's a one monthly payment depending, a lot of factors are taken into what that number is for all legal work. So excluding any expenses that may come up if we're filing with a state or if court comes up and we have filing fees, it's one, it's one fee. And a lot of clients ask, well, why would I choose that? Well, I always say, it's so you are not fearful of a billable hour and you will come and ask us all the questions that we want you to ask us. Right. If you have a question regarding two words in a contract, ask us about it, please. Because as we talked about earlier, that's going to create a higher dollar amount down the line if it goes to litigation. So I, I think a few other firms are doing that. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not really focused on their billing structures. But I know with our clients, especially clients that are looking for investors, covered service agreement is great because they can go to them and be like, well, here's my monthly expenditures. And legal is solid. It's not a question mark like it right. used to be with the, with the black hole of billable hours that everyone used to do. Yeah, I think I think the other thing that 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 does um, is from the from the client standpoint is okay. Yes, I'm not worried about the bill, but you're almost encouraging them to call you because it's like, look, it's covered. So if you have any questions, and and I tell my clients all the time, it's like I would much rather hear from you during the year about questions that you have or things that you're getting ready to do as compared to talking to me in March or April and saying, oh, well, we did this. And then I'm telling you, well, you should have done something different, which means you're paying a lot more in taxes. So right. I think it's just the same thing with you. If they're not talking to you, it's going to cost them somewhere. Right. And that's what we always tell them. You know, this is the choice a lot of our, this fee structure is the way of a lot of our business clients uh, choose to go because it's an open door call us, email us, do whatever, get in contact with us and make sure what you're doing is proper from the legal point of view. And we encourage that. Now they feel that we're part of the company with them. So, and that's what we want. You know, our, our firm is focused on the relationship aspect, not the transactional aspect. So we're not looking for each and every dollar. We want to build that relationship. So even if you, even if your company folds in a year or sells off, well, your next stop, your next company might be us again. And that's what we want. You refer us out. I mean, we want this net of relationships, not this net of just dollars floating around. Um, and, you know, if we were going for that, we would start an online service. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I, I, again, I think it's important um, for people to understand. It's like, you know, this is all teamwork and, and you need to build your financial team or your team of professionals and have them collaborate together um, to make sure, especially for businesses, to make sure that you're staying healthy and you're growing. Uh, many people, even, even small companies, don't have a board of directors. And it's like your board of director, or you, can, you don't have to call it a board of director, you can call it a board of advisors. And make sure that you have your attorney and your CPA on there, so then when things are going on, you can talk about it. I mean, it, and not all board of advisors or board of directors get paid. 
Sometimes right. it's just, hey, we do this because, um, you know, and, and if they have a, the, the monthly agreement with you, you may throw that in as part of it. Um, yep. You know, so I think it's important to make sure that the, the people stay stay in tune with that also. Absolutely. Um, you know, we've talked a little bit about the pandemic and things like that. What What challenges have you seen or have you had because of that? Yeah, I, I mean, starting from the beginning of the pandemic here in Los Angeles, um, you know, we shut down pretty quick. Court shut down. Um, if you were a non-essential worker, you weren't leaving. Um, that created a lot of issues with our litigation clients. Um, you know, cases that we thought would wrap up towards the end of the first quarter, beginning of the second quarter of 2020, are not wrapped up. Now everything's delayed and pushed back. So right. we're kind of seeing the more of a fallout now with the litigation. Now everything is jumbled. Everything is pushed into a few month span. So that's creating havoc on us. Um, the other aspect we're having a hard time is um, what we discussed before, uh, finding help. I, right. I'm having a hard time. One of my biggest challenges is finding good freelance attorneys to come in and work on, on various aspects of matters. Um, so I, I'm trying to work with my law school colleagues of mine that have had freelance attorneys and try to solve that issue. But um, those, those two issues, the, the jumbledness of, of litigation, we're having cases pushed out to 2023 already. Um, and uh, not being able to find those, those reliable freelance attorneys, those, those are the biggest challenges that, we've, that we're seeing stemmed from the pandemic. That's it. So on the flip side, what has the pandemic, you know, done for you that you thought, you know, would never happen? Yeah, I mean, you know, it actually, when the lockdown first went into place, most of our clients' businesses were stalled as well. Um, that, that hurts, obviously, work stops for us, work income stops for them. That's, that's detrimental to anybody. Everyone can figure that out. Um, but it actually gave me the time to, to refine my law firm and put new processes in. Um, I redid my website to the one you're seeing nowadays. Right. Um, I've been able to work with SEO companies and increase my visibility and everything like that. So I've been able to work on the firm where that has always been on my to-do list or my maybe someday list, right. Uh, right. but work always got in the way. That gave me the time to sit down and really concentrate on that and increase the amount of content I'm putting out to help individuals. Um, if you look at my website, it's, it's, a, it's a resource. There's a lot of there's blogs on there. There's directions to other other websites that will help uh, business owners. And then I have a lot of information regarding operating agreements, buy-sell agreements. So right. it gave me that time to provide that content to potential clients or clients or anyone just looking for some information. So the pandemic was tough uh, income-wise for a lot of people. Um, and I think if the people had the, the right state of mind during that time, they, they could have used it to their advantage. Um, right. So different ways, but uh, the pandemic was, was both a curse and a blessing. Right. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, all right. Our time has been flying by. Um, what have <laughs> I not asked you that you wish I had? Oh, good question. Uh, let's see. Um, you know, one thing would be, um, I guess if an attorney is, is debating going out on their own, um, they really have to love what they do. And I'm not just talking about the practice of law. I'm not just talking about entity formation. I'm talking about business development, networking, um, right. the running of a business, entrepreneurship. You have to love it all. You have to, you really have to dive in deep and, and make that a priority to achieve the goals that you want. So 
I, if you would have asked that, I would have dove in a little bit deeper earlier, but those are the things that I have a lot of people ask me, oh, I'm going to start my own law firm. What should I do? What's the first step? And my first response is always, do you love what you do? Not the practice of law. Do you love spending time refining your processes and your people? And if the answer is no, I'm like, maybe you should stay at the firm because right. they'll handle all that. And that's going to all fall on you. It's, you know, a lot of people think that working for yourself is, no, oh, you can take vacation whenever you want. You get to set your schedule. Of course, I get to set my schedule. Right. Um, I may not start work until 10 a.m. one day, my actual billable work, but I'll be working for three, four hours on something else for the business. So you have to love it, love everything about it and, 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 and make it your desire to, to keep improving. Yeah, I always I always laugh when people say, oh, you're your own boss and all this other stuff. It's like, no, not really, because. Before I, you know, before I started this, I had one boss. Now I have hundreds of bosses because everybody's coming at you from from different directions and what they need. So, yeah, exactly. I, I totally agree with you. It's it's you know, many people start up a business because they're they're good at their their specialty, their trade, uh, and things like that, and they open up. Well, I'm going to go open up a business, and then they find out it's not that easy because besides going out and doing the marketing to get the you know to get your work then you have to bring the work in you have to estimate everything then you have to get the job done then you have to deliver it and all that and oh by the way now you have to account for everything and you have to do collections and you have to i mean it's it's a lot of work that's for sure it's 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 great uh but it's a lot of work and you know be prepared for those those times where you're doubting yourself. I mean, I think every solo practitioner I know has doubted going out on their own at one point or another, but just keep pushing. It'll get better. If I can toss in one more thing regarding that, yeah. regarding the networking aspect, it's not about what you get out of networking when you, when you do it. It's about what you can give to other people. And establishing that network of professionals like we've been talking about yeah. throughout this is huge. I don't know how many clients I've signed because I have a CPA referral for them that I know will get along with them, that I have a financial advisor that will help them after the sale of a company or a huge uh, liquidation. So go out there and, and make these connections, give business, give introductions to other people, and it will be returned to you, but don't focus on what you get out of it. Focus on what you're giving to other professionals, and that, that will be the best way to network. Right. I, I agree with you. So Eric, it's been great talking with you. Um, if our listeners, you know, want to reach out to you, they want to check out your website and so forth. How is it that they can reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. It's been great being on this podcast as well. Uh, there's a few ways they can reach out. Uh, website is ejplawofficenos.com. Um, you can also check me on YouTube. I have a bunch of informational videos on there. Just search my name, Eric Pros, P-R-O-O-S. Um, you can also go to my Instagram page at EJP underscore law and LinkedIn just by searching my name. And then if you want to do the old fashioned way, uh, phone, uh, <laughs> that's 213-784-3640. All right. Thank, thank you very much for, for today. Um, it was, it was great talking with you and I think the listeners, uh, will definitely take a lot from, from the podcast today. Absolutely. Thank you, Gary. I really appreciate the time today. So today, my guest was Eric Brose with the law office of Eric J. Brose. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. 
To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs> <laughs>